Hello, everybody. Yo, hi. Can you hear me? Hi. Can you hear me? Yes, I can okay. hear you just fine. Can you hear me? I can. Mm. There we go. How's it going, Andrea? It's going. It's going. Should I put my oh. headphones on or is this is okay? No, you're fine. You're okay. good. How are you feeling? Uh, I have definitely had better, <laughs> better days. I've had like uh, <clears throat> on and off fever and cough, and this is this is like the most energy that I will have expended over the last three days. So I, I, it's all good though. I'm excited. I'm 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 excited to I'm excited to be here. There so, she is. Hey, hey guys. Hi, Karis. Hello, Andrea. <laughs> So, I guess first I'll say welcome to our special live episode of the BPD Bunch. Um, great question. So, someone just asked what we're talking about today. What we're talking about today is whatever y'all want to talk about. So, this is your opportunity to ask us your questions. And um, I will go for as long as my voice can, but Paris uh, and Andrea are more than qualified to answer so ooh. well okay so the first question is about meds but lamictal has anybody taken lamictal is that lamotrigine no it's not no uh lamictal is um well so first we got to give the disclaimer that none of us are medical doctors and so anything that we talk about related to medication is only going to be uh, our personal experiences and absolutely should not be taken as I'm on it. medical advice. We are not um, being prescribed. I'm not a doctor, but I am on that. <laughs> I've been on Lamictal before it gave me headaches. I didn't like it. I, um, if I'm not mistaken, it's generally prescribed as a well, I was told by my doctor that it's generally prescribed as an anti-seizure medication, but can be used as a mood stabilizer. I don't know if that's actually the true, but um, I didn't like it. It gave me headaches, um, but it sounds like. Yes. Yeah, I take it. I actually just finally reached the highest dose maybe about a month ago. Um, I take it at night. And the only thing I've received from it is incredibly vivid dreams. That's it. It's really intense, but sometimes they're kind of scary, but sometimes they're amazing. I'm just like, wow, that was so, a great dream. Andrea, do you normally without do you normally dream without it? Not like that. Because I I honestly, this is very strange. Um, I haven't had a dream in I don't know how long. Oh, wow. That's interesting. I remember the last time that I had a dream. And so I'm wondering maybe if it would be like, if I started it, like, I wonder if I would just like get dreams. Cause that would be kind of cool. Cause kinda having dreams. Yeah, no, they're, they're very vivid. Um, I saw the question about memory loss. I haven't experienced memory loss. I would say the only thing that I've, I've gotten is just these, these dreams, like, they're just they're very they're very realistic like there was actually 
a time that I woke up thinking that me and my old friend were actually still friends. Like, I was like, wow, talking about my friend David. And I was just like, wow, that was cool. And I was like, oh, that didn't really happen. Hold on, I'm going to get the dogs out of the room. Uh, so for anyone that's just joined, we are um, answering, just answering random audience questions. And we've been talking, we've been going a little outside of our wheelhouse and talking about some of our medication experiences. So Adrian. I'm glad someone else has asked another question. How long did you guys go through therapy to see a noticeable change? I've only just been diagnosed and I feel like my life is falling apart quicker than I can learn how to cope. I feel like my answer is not a helpful one because I was in and out of therapy since I was 13 and I didn't get better until 2017. So that's like a long time. But I also didn't know that I had BPD and didn't get like good help until then. Effective. Um, so maybe somebody else has a more helpful answer. Um, I feel like mine is, is kind of similar, Zanny, to yours, uh, your story. I have been in and out of therapy since I was 15, and um, I had my worst struggles as far as, like, m the most challenging years for me with my BPD um, as an older adult. So like, when I was in my, like, uh, probably late thirties, early forties, some of my like hardest times. So I was in therapy, but I feel like my therapy wasn't effective because we weren't treating the right thing. It was more just like, I was talking to her about like what happened that week and how I was handling it and like a couple of past traumas, but I didn't really end up with any skills. So it wasn't until I took a program, um, a DBT program, and I actually learned practical things that I could change in my life. Like just easy little things that I could do that made a huge difference. And that's when I started to get better. But it wasn't until I actually had like something practical that I could put into place in my life and make change that affected more wellness. Yeah, I think I would say basically, I'm glad that you said that because I was like, my, my, my mushy brain is trying to come up with the with the right things, but you basically covered it. I think, I think it was like, I started seeing some change, like within a couple of weeks of actually implementing things that were helpful, like to see real lasting change where like I, I noticed I was implementing skills without thinking about it probably took like a year and a half um, before it was just happening automatically but I found that as soon as I was really working the program I've said this in another live but like I think a big thing to be aware of is like if you're waiting for therapy to change you you will be waiting a long time you have to use the therapy to change yourself and I think that was what really took me a long time I wasn't really since I'd been sort of a therapy kid, I wasn't really sure what to expect. Like people were like, go talk to this, pe this person and it will help. And it didn't really do anything. And I was like, what is this supposed to do? You know, it was kind of like, as soon as I actually put the effort in and like was using those tools that helped. So anyway, I don't know, Andrea, do you have anything to add? <laughs> Y'all pretty much nailed it. It's kind of similar to what I would say. Okay. 
Is it normal to go through periods where you experience BPD symptoms or is it just the emotional numbness? Maybe you could expand a little bit on what you mean by I like which symptoms. Yeah, I don't know. Like uh I mean I normal to come back because like a lot of the things that are BPD are kind of normal human things. They just like the volume is turned way up. So, so I struggle sometimes with knowing, like, am I having a resurgence of BPD or am I just like a person having a moment? Like, I will not ever know for sure because I'll never be somebody who didn't have BPD, right? Mm. So to me, that sounds pretty, like, having some of that come back at points seems like that would be a pretty normal experience. But I'd have to, I'm not sure why the or is emotional numbness. So maybe if you can expand on that, we can give that. Let's see. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff going through here. Okay. Yeah, we, let's see. Yeah, so whoever asked that question, if you can, if you can expand. Oh. What are your favorite foods? Ariel, hello. Um, ah, Andrea, I wanted you to go first. Chicken wings. I'm obsessed with wings. I love wings. Yeah. I would say that's, that's my favorite food. I love yeah. how there was no hesitation. <laughs> She's just like, chicken wings. Chicken wings. I'm sure there's more. Off the top of my head, it's chicken wings. Karis? Um, I'm just reading the updated question and I'm like, oh, I get it. And yeah, I know what I'm going to say. Um, but yeah, food. Um, I really, uh, I have like comfort foods, but I also really enjoy just all kinds of foods and I love trying new things as well. So it's just, it's a, I feel like if I give one answer, the other foods will be sad. <laughs> Aww. So, um, well, I have the superstition that everything with a face is sentient. So, you know, I, I, I get you. Yeah. Like I can't leave, like I literally bought a stuffed animal a few days ago because I felt like it was looking at me and asking me to save it. And I was like, I know this is not real. It's not even a hallucination. It's just a very active imagination, but, right. uh, anyway, yeah. oh, all right. I favorite foods i love ice cream uh, uh and like all the foods <laughs> all foods <laughs> i would probably normally have a different answer but right now egg drop soup is my jam oh yeah because my throat okay so I'll go back to the question we got our is it normal to go through periods where you don't experience BPD symptoms, or is it just emotional numbness? It makes me question if I'm just magically getting better, or even if I ever had BPD. Um, oh, so it's not having the symptoms. It's not not the presence of them. It's the absence. I feel like for me, like it's it's super um, dependent on what I'm going through in my life. So if I'm yeah going through like a stressful phase at work or if um one of my like family relationships is strained um 
or even if I like, um, like when the time changes and the, like the clocks go back an hour, it takes me a really long time to adjust to that. Um, because like, at least here in Ontario, like it gets dark really, really early. Like I'm not, I don't leave the house and, and it be daylight. Like I leave the house, I go to work, it's dark. When I come home, it's dark. Mm. Yeah. So like, I don't, um, I'm so sorry. My ADHD just scrolled my answer and no, it's good. I'll reread the question. Very often. <laughs> Is it normal to go through periods where you don't experience yeah, okay. symptoms? So I'm like going through that time change thing. It takes me a really long time to recover from that. So like, um, I'll find that my BPD symptoms are typically uh, worse, I guess. Like I have more of like the problematic BPD symptoms during those times or if I'm sick or if there's like some underlying issue that maybe isn't at the forefront of my mind, I'll notice that like I have more symptoms. But if everything in my life is like going decent, then I'm usually able to skillfully keep them at bay. So I think if we're living lives that are according to our values and we're like, we're not going to be as symptomatic. I think we are kind of magically getting better <laughs> and we had BPD for real. I like that because I've, I've started to learn more and more, even as I've gotten older, it's like my environment matters. So if I'm, you know, just doing better, if I'm keeping a healthy environment, then Yes, I do have moments, but if I'm in a negative environment, like my flare-ups are ridiculous. Yeah. Just there. <laughs> yes. Well, Lena always says, you know, BPD is developed and maintained in in relationships. So mm -hmm. that, you know, that kind of tells you a little bit that it's very context dependent, right? It's not like I think it's interesting when people paint a picture of BPD as if like these symptoms come out all the time in, in all, any and all contexts, right? It's like, no, it, it, I mean, it's not always the same for each person, but, you know, each of us has specific contexts that will set those things off. It's not random. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I would say that probably depending on the context, I mean, you could be experiencing emotional numbness, but you could also just not be in a context that sets off the symptoms. You know, that's, that's always a possibility. Uh, why does it take so long for an underage diagnosis? Cause it took a year and a half for me to get it. And I'm 17. Mm -hmm. uh, I can repeat what I've said. This isn't what I've heard from others. Um, Cause again, we're not doctors, but um, what I have heard is often that people don't like to diagnose underage because they claim that uh your personality is still developing and so therefore you it's hard to tell what is like a disorder and what is just puberty i think um my personal opinion i was diagnosed at 15 so like it does happen um i think if you understand for a lot of disorders, if you understand them well, you can identify them. Alex is our 
let's see, I'm jumping all over the place too, but Alex is our clinical psychologist in training, basically, and she, I think she said something like, early adolescence is the, early, is the earliest they've been able to reliably identify BPD, so it is possible, but it's just hard because not a lot of people want to do it. My guess is there there may be some liability involved, but don't quote me on that because I don't know for sure. We're, we keep getting into territory that's really not our wheelhouse. Okay, tips for dealing with self-harm. Hmm. Oh gosh, that one's that one takes a lot of practice. I don't I I feel like everybody's road with that is so different. It's hard to give just straightforward well, what works advice. For, you? for me, um well because well I have a little bit of a different story. Not everybody has vitiligo, so the more that my, I have the, the wrist right here. So the more that the spot started to grow, the more it was like, this is what you're doing. Look at the trauma that you're causing to your skin. So I think for me, that was kind of like where I needed to find other ways to cope. And for me, it, that was through art, like, like just kind of going ham on that just kind of like, even if I'm not even very good at it, like I just needed to busy my hands with something different. And I'm only just recently getting better with that. I'm 41 now. So it does, it does take a lot of time, but it's worth it. Like you just have to put the work in it. Yeah, so for those who don't know so your self-harm basically caused your vitiligo spot to grow and that was sort of like a that's not, well it wasn't always like that but i had done something to myself where it really lowered my immune system it's an autoimmune disease so during that time the spot just started forming i thought it was really weird because it was like why do i have a spot on this wrist but not this wrist so when the dermatologist broke it down for me she was like your skin is responding to the trauma that you're causing. That's why it keeps growing because you won't stop this behavior. And it only kind of continued. So to make it stop, I had to stop. Yeah. And also I think my self-worth started to, not to say that others don't have self-worth, but for me, my self-worth was, my self-worth was really low. So stopping that behavior was necessary. If I really liked myself, I probably wouldn't do that, even if I was using it to cope for me. What's the verdict on a DV said, what's the verdict on the opinion tattoos replacing self-harm? Oh, on the opinion. Tattoos replacing self-harm. Whose opinion? My opinion? Because I love it. <laughs> <laughs> what um, does it mean, like, error? Is it like... Like using, getting a tattoo to feel pain. Or... Yeah. Okay. I can't deny that I haven't gone to the person that I get tattoos from, which would be DV, and say jokingly, I wish you were available today because I probably wouldn't have done this or something, you know, not that it's a funny thing, but just to kind of bring humor to it. I am guilty of saying stuff like that because, well, I'd rather get a tattoo than do this. But 
I don't think that way anymore, you know? So even like with the cover up that she did, it was kind of like, I felt like I earned it because I'm okay with most of my white spots, but that one was a reminder of what I, what I used to do. So you had to not engage in self-harm for a certain amount of time before you could get that tattoo, right? She would not. She was like, I'm not going to do it. Not, you need to stop for a period of time. Hmm. So, and then she didn't ask me about it. I was telling her like, hey, I think I'm done. I think I'm ready. She was like, okay, I think you are too. So, and then the, the other end to that is that if I was to do something again, she's not going to retouch it or do anything to it. She's like, I'm done. So, lesson learned. Yeah. All right, we got another one. I'm afraid of meeting a possible partner. The fact that I might not be the same lovely person all the time terrifies me. Have you experienced this? How do you overcome the idea of I don't want to hurt? I thought those are two separate questions. I feel like. Go. Well, answer whichever part you feel like. All right. So, like, got. first part about, like, <laughs> being worried about um not being the same person all the time for your partner um that is me to a t um i had to just accept that that's me and that's who i am and there i um I decided um, when I started looking for um, a serious life partner again, right before actually I met um, my, my current partner, Jeremy, um, I decided that when I met somebody, I was going to just like huge info dump um, all of my issues on the first date. And if it scared him off, then good. I didn't need him any. If he stuck around, then he's at least interested in me enough to wonder what's coming next and to see like it playing out and get a little bit more like normal. Um, or like if every single time it's gonna be like a whole bunch of stuff. But I figure, you know, I'm not an easy person to live with. I am a very difficult person to life with. I know that. So, I mean, if he thinks it's going to be easy in the beginning and then I like gradually into him into like some kind of like crazy torture and he's wondering what in the world happened, I think that that's unfair to both of us. So for me to feel like I'm being genuine and meeting somebody who knows what they're getting into, it's important for me to let them know um, what it all is. It was actually really cool because like, <laughs> aw, thanks. Um, uh, it was really cool because like our first date, I like told him all this stuff. Our second day, he came with a list of questions. He actually had researched EPD. He wanted to know which symptoms like were the ones that like I had challenges with, 
how often I was bothered by them, when I was bothered by them, what that manifested as, like what that looked like in my behavior. Cause he needed to know what he was like coming into. There were a certain couple of things that we talked about um, that were non-negotiables for him. He was just like, if this is one of your things, then like, this is early stages. I just rather duck out. Like it's only date two. There's no big feelings yet. Um, and so we just talked through the whole thing. And at the end of that, I, he was like, yeah, um, let's give this a go. So what I hear when you're saying that is you basically developed healthy boundaries from the start. Yeah. Like saying, this is what I need. This is what this looks like. Well, cause they're asking you like, okay, so this is what she's telling me. So I want to know more about it. So that way I can make sure this is what I'm in for. And this isn't for me, this, this didn't happen to me, but I've recently seen a relationship where, you know, the boyfriend knew a lot about what was going on. And so what he did was he went and took a DBT course cause he wanted to know and I know that that's not available for everybody. He so happens to be in an industry where he can do that. But I was like, wow, that's really cool. Like even there's DBT books out there. If you want to know more about your partner and just how to help, you know, with dysregulation and stuff, there's a lot of information out there. Jeremy actually uh, signed up for a high conflict couples DBT group with me. Um, and at first he was kind of hesitant because he's like, well, we're not a high conflict couple. And I'm like, uh, well, we're not a high conflict couple all the time, but you know that if like we have the potential for things to get very large, but we just have a lot of control for one another. So we don't allow it to happen. But like, wouldn't it be cool if we could learn skills together that keep it from ever getting like that? And um, so he was like, absolutely, that makes total sense. I'm in. So, I mean, I think it's about like communication with your partner and vulnerability. Because if you're on the same team, they need to know what your vulnerabilities are so that they can help you. Just like you need to know what their vulnerabilities are so you can help them. Yeah, I think I had a sort of a similar approach. No, I don't know if I was, I was a little bit different in the sense that I tried, I, had, I used to be like, here's all the information, can you handle me? And mm. instead of being like, here's all of it, it was like, I tried to go at like a, a, I don't know what seemed to me like a reasonable pace, but also not holding anything back, like where it came up naturally in conversation. It's like, I'm not going to hide stuff to make myself seem more put together than I feel like I am or like I, and actually that's one of the things that my husband said to me, uh, after we got together that like he appreciated my honesty. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was one of the reasons why he liked me. So you know, I think, I don't think it makes sense, you know, I don't think it makes sense to, like, hide all the stuff, because if it's, if, you know, if it's going to turn into something later, like, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to surprise somebody, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'd advocate for always telling people on the first date, because, you know, depending on where you live and 
what your contexts are, it may not always be safe to give people that much information up front, right? So just, you know, be mindful of that, of what your situation is. And, you know, don't give, don't give people, inf you know, too much information in the upfront if, if there's, if you don't have a way to protect yourself, but, you know, where you can, it can be a useful tool to, to find the people who want to stick around. All right. Setting New Year's resolutions and BPD. Do you guys set fun ones or easier to achieve ones? I don't set New Year's resolutions. I don't either. <laughs> because I can't commit to them. I like, I think usually around the new year, I'll think about the last year and sort of like the things that I learned and what I might want to do differently moving forwards. But I feel like I'm always, but like I'm doing that in a much smaller way, like all the time. You know, like, how did the last week go? Whenever I get to Friday, I'm like, what did I do this week? Like, what am I going to do different next week? You know, it's, I think taking the pressure off of it and not really having like some big thing is, that's how I deal with it. <laughs> having resolutions all year. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I find like anytime I hit a snag, that's when I try to figure out how to do it differently next time, you know? So like, I'm, I guess I'm just always like you guys, like, I don't know, I'm just always doing it. not a, I think if I try to do it as a new year's resolution, it will like automatically mean that it's not going to happen. Like my, I don't know, Yeesh. the, the oppositional defiance or whatever that is. Like, <laughs> All right. How do you self-regulate? That's a, that's, that's the whole, that's the whole question, isn't it? DBT. <laughs> that's how I self-regulate. Uh, I mean, that's, it's just, there's a lot to, I guess one nugget I'll give that's like, maybe not specifically in DBT, but like I, uh, I have conversations with myself. I'll remove myself from a situation and straight up just talk, talk to myself. Like I'll play both my like emotional BPD self or as DBT would call it, like the emotion mind. And I'll play like my wise mind and sometimes, which is like your higher self. And sometimes I'll also, I went to acting school once yeah, back in the day. So like I, for me, like it's, I, I created characters to like embody these different parts of me and like, we'll just straight up have conversations. Uh, I have a friend who calls them personal staff meetings. Uh, I have personal staff meetings and that is one of the ways that I regulate <laughs> my emotions is just by literally having a personal staff meeting about it. That's cute. <laughs> <I like it. laughs> I guess for me, like if I'm, well, so if I'm upset, it's such a big question. I know. Yeah. So I'll just base it off different emotions. So if I'm upset, it's taken a little bit, but I learned to walk away. If I'm getting sad, you know, the tears are coming and maybe I'm taking it out on a situation. I have to step back and I'd be like, what's really causing this? Is it really this or is it something deeper than that? So it really just depends on the emotion, how I'm going to regulate myself versus just popping off on whatever emotions going on. 
I like to do a lot of regulation beforehand. So like <laughs> after my needs, looking after my rest, um, that like the please skill in DBT. Um, but it basically centers around looking like doing like a scan of your mindset and your body. And if you're missing out on anything that you need for success and then so like make sure I get enough sleep, water, food, and like not drinking caffeine after a certain time of day. Like last night, um, I had a, a client who offered me um, coffee and it was like 3.30 in the afternoon. And I was like, yeah, that'd be great. It smelled so good. And I was like, sure, I'll like, they were making it in their house. And so I had some. And then last night I was not acting super, like when it got to like around bedtime, we did have a couple of misunderstandings. And so like, I look back at that, I'm like, ah, crap, you know, I should have just, like, I know better. So like, normally I look out for it, like ahead of time. And I, I like that. worry so much in the moment on how to react. Cause like, I'm learning eventually I'm 45 years old and I'm like, finally figuring out that like, if I'm hungry, I get unreasonable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right so i don't know totally the order but here's another one any tips to become more disciplined Ooh, i feel yeah, like I'll figure is, it out let me know this is a i feel like this is a consequences like natural life consequences yeah i think that was hard for me I don't know if you cares experiences as someone who also has ADHD, but I feel like for me, one of the biggest problems that ADHD causes is it disconnects me from the consequences of my actions is I don't feel like I'm kind of following my impulses and I'm not really connected to, Oh, what's going to happen when I do this. And so like, this is one way in which mindfulness that I learned in DBT has actually helped me not always in in um i'm not always able to stop myself from being impulsive with my adhd but i i can sometimes direct it in a different i can point it in a different direction because i will think about because uh, i'll be able to uh, think more about the long-term consequences of my behavior i think uh it's hard though i don't know what do you think about that like I think for me, things like um, having like gone into debt um, or like you get a promotional rate on something and you sign up for the thing and then like, uh, like, okay, so I did this balance transfer from a credit card and it's like you get like 1% interest on any balance transfer um, for like, whatever however long time but like if you're ever late for a payment even once even if you're like 30 seconds late for the payment even once it like jumps up to 12 percent forever and there's nothing you can do about it mm. and it's like wait what so you know i get like caught in things like that so i mean i don't like getting burned it really like makes me mad like it pisses me right off so like 
I felt like I got burned by the credit card company and I like take it personally now. It's like a vendetta that I will never have get caught by one of those things again. So I guess it's my like stubbornness and my dislike for negative consequences that has forced me to develop routines that keep me more disciplined. But I'm 45 and it's starting to work. So just have patience with yourself. Like if you're in your twenties or you're in your teens, even if you're in your thirties, it's fine if it's not figured out yet. Like give yourself time and patience. Cause like, it's hard. It sounds easy and it probably is for some people, but for some of us, mm -mm. Yeah, I think we get intimidated because we see other people that seem so disciplined. So it's just like, well, if they're doing it, I can do it too. But like, I've taken this behavioral change course and it's super just short and um, it's supposed to be like a four week long course. And it's actually not that simple to create discipline if you're not used to it. So I don't know, it's really interesting to learn about. It's like some people can really just do it and some people really need to practice it mm -hmm. it's kind of like everything else right like you you don't you're not inherently born with knowing how to do all the things yeah. some things you're taught by your social like situation growing up and some things have to be learned intentionally yeah it's a dog loud Okay. I made a little bit, but it's not, it's in, in this context, it's fun. It's like, ah, okay. we hear, we hear the, we hear the dogs talking. Um, any tips on not splitting randomly? I mean, sorry, I'm going to, I mean, seriously, sometimes I just wake up one day hating someone's guts without them actually triggering me. Is this something that can be avoided somehow? I would say it's not random. Just because it feels random, it isn't. Because all emotional reactions are caused by something. We just don't always know what they are. I mean, sometimes it's a dream. You know, I have woken up angry at my husband mm. for leaving me in a dream. Mm. You know, like, and even though I rationally understand that he did not do any of that, like, I still feel upset. And, you know, like Karis was saying earlier, she doesn't, she either doesn't dream or doesn't remember them, right? So, who knows? Maybe I, I, I there have been times I've woken up feeling kind of pissed at him. Maybe it was one of those nights I was having one of those dreams, right? Um, so, there is always a cause, we just don't always know what it is. Um, and I think that sort of knowledge has helped me. Not because I always am going to know what the cause is, but because I can be sure that there always is one. Um, and this is, I mean, a lot of it for me is just the pre-regulation that like Harris mentioned earlier, like preparing. I try to do things to like reduce my vulnerability factors. Um, people talk about this all the time and I mean, I think if you're in your 20s, it may not be as noticeable. But now that I'm in my 30s, sleep. If I don't sleep enough, I'm a bitch. Straight up. Like, I will split at the drop of a hat. 
I am not nice. I, I, and I can admit that. Um, I have to work really hard to rein it in if I don't get any sleep. And so that's one thing that I feel like, you know, it's not going to, you know, none of those things like sleep, diet, exercise, none of those things are going to like cure your BPD, but a lot of those things can really mitigate some of the seemingly random emotional swings. Um, because sometimes it's just like your body is out of whack and it, it's your body trying to tell you like, Hey, I don't feel okay. Please take care of me. <laughs> it's kind of like what you're saying, Karis, about the police skill. Yeah. Yeah. What do y'all, do you have any, anyone else have thoughts about random splitting? Um, I have random splitting. I know exactly where my comes from. Um, and that's, uh, that happened once I started to be like really honest with myself, um, that I was getting annoyed at ridiculous. Um, well, that self-honesty, that's a, probably a big one. It's like a lot of it seems random. And I mean, I don't know whoever asked this, like, I, you, this may not be a thing for you, but for me, a lot of it is, I don't want to admit to myself some of the things because they're uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm going to, I'm just going to go with, with a, a fun anecdote uh, from my relationship with uh, Jeremy. So, um, one of the first times that he stayed over at my house, he used the wrong towel. So I don't know if any of you guys have the right towels and the wrong towels at your homes, or if you've been in houses where somebody has like the fancy towel that like it only just like hangs there. And then there's the one that like you actually use to dry your body off and like, so he used like the fancy one and then he like put some <laughs> the wrong spot i think he like accidentally left his shampoo in there and i was like <gasps> it's an anchor <gasps> and i like panicked and i called one of my friends and i'm like oh my god like all these horrible things like he's gotta go he's gotta go there's no way like uh -uh -uh. and this friend of mine was like karis you just yesterday were saying all of these amazing things about him and like he leaves shampoo in your shower and uses the wrong towel did you tell him which towel he could use and i'm like no but he should have been able to figure it out and he's like really and i'm like okay okay maybe not but like i really i was terrified because I did not want to get my heart broken. And it seemed like I had actually met a really good guy. So my brain was overactively looking for and creating red flags because it couldn't believe that this was true and that like I actually deserved somebody who seemed at this early stage in our relationship to care so much. So like, once I was honest with myself and I had a trusted person to, to run these things past, like it, they, we call it a trusted other, um, or like somebody like 
if you don't have access to rational thinking and you're like, okay, I trust this person, they usually think rationally and we usually <laughs> fine, call that person, run it past them. Listen, this, like, I'm feeling this way about this person and I don't want to feel this way about them, but I do, like, let's figure it out. And like, once I kind of talked myself out of it, then I hadn't split on him anymore. He didn't need to go. We had a great conversation about the towels and the shampoo, which was entirely accidental. He didn't, he looked for it once he got home and realized he didn't have, it, it was like, oh man. But like, so I don't think it's, I'm rambling again, but no, Zanny, like, I agree. I don't see it as uh, random. Uh, random, no, not at all, no. Okay, let's see. There was another one. Oh, well, first off, what is DBT? And then what DBT skills do you use the most? So for anyone who doesn't know, DBT is dialectical behavior therapy. Uh, until relatively recently, it was considered like the gold standard for treating borderline personality disorder, although there are a bunch now. Uh, and we have a video on our channel about, like, I think, I think it's like four or five, if not more, different modalities mentioned. The dog is like, you're not going to share this information. This is a trade secret. <laughs> trade secrets. They're barking at a possum. I know, <laughs> I know this. I can tell. <laughs> Don't share the trade secrets. Um... <laughs> But the three of us have um, have done DBT, um, and uh, the, it's sort of focused on the concept of dialectics, which is sort of holding two seemingly opposing truths as equal. For example, um, I am doing the best I can, and I can do better. That's kind of the fundamental idea of DBT, and so it can be especially helpful um, for those who are experiencing um high externalizing behaviors and who are you know very self-harming or suicidal um and if you really struggle with splitting dbt can be helpful because it's sort of the whole idea is balancing it out um but there are there are a bunch of others i think my my favorite dbt skill which one do i use the most probably use mindfulness the most. I hated it at first. I really hated it. I thought it was woo-woo and dumb. Um, but really mindfulness is just the act of attentionally paying attention to your life. Yeah. And as it turns out, I wasn't paying that close attention. When I started paying closer attention, I noticed that I had a lot more control than I thought I did. It's just, I mean, it's hard. I mean, if you think about it, who wants to pay that close attention when your emotions are so intense? Like, it feels like a lot. You're just like, ugh, I, why, why do I have to sift through all of this garbage? But actually, once you do, you're like, oh, I, I, I can do a lot more with this, what I thought was a pile of garbage. It's not, actually. It's a bunch of different things that I can, you know, look at and move around and do stuff with and i find that when i am generally more mindful i can handle a lot of things better like i split less frequently and like mm. when somebody says something that gives me a strong negative emotional reaction i can stand there and i can work through what i'm thinking so that's probably the one i use the most but my favorite is the tip skill because there's nothing like hacking your biology and the tip skill makes 
the particular titsko I'm thinking of is putting your face in a bowl of cold water takes advantage of your of the mammalian diving reflex, which lowers your heart rate. Um, and it's great for when blood into your vital organs, um, brain and heart and lungs as well at the same time. So it like it like forces your brain to start working in a in a more effective way. So like all the blood it it it's so cool. It's really cool. Yeah, so for anyone who doesn't know how to do this, you fill up a bowl of cold water as cold as you can stand it. I mean without it like being literally full of ice. I usually need to put like a couple pieces of ice and then cold water. And then I hold my breath and stick my face horizontally in it for like 30 seconds if I can. Um, and obviously that's not something you can do when you're out that easily. Um, my therapist, when I've been in her office in the past, she's given me two cold cans of Coke to put on my cheeks and I bend over and hold my breath. It doesn't work exactly the same way because part of it is when the water goes into your nose, but it sort of helps to replicate that a little bit. Not up your nose, just in the inside of your nostril. <laughs> By the way, don't breathe in. Yeah, no, don't do that. That was one of the ones that was the hardest for me to accept because I was just like, if I'm pissed off, you want me to stop and put cold water? Like, you know, like I, it, it really irritated me. But this was kind of like during the time where I was like, DBT sucks. I wasn't <laughs> having it. But I think one of my favorite things I like to use is... um. I don't know if it would really be considered a skill, but I loved using Dear Man, trying to figure out how to communicate. Yeah, like that, I mean, it never worked in my favor, but it made it, it didn't always work in my favor, but it made it easier for me to like talk about, you know, like just things that I was like expressing and feeling and all that stuff, it just made it easier. Karis has paused, is she paused on your side too? Yeah, was that? Can I do something? I don't think so. She might just be having some... It's a cute face, uh, though. Yeah! <laughs> She's smiling. Oh, opposite action. Uh, she must have run out of uh, juice or something. Not be sure. Sure. Opposite action is good, too. That one's hard. So opposite action, for those who don't know, is basically exactly how it sounds. It's doing opposite to how you feel. Um, so like I use that a lot when I'm depressed because I want to isolate and, and so instead of isolating, I go force myself to do things with people. Um, yeah. <laughs> helps keep stuff at bay. I mean, that's really it. How do you, how do you usually use it, Andrew? I only recently started using it, um, but as far as like, if I'm, if I'm getting this anxious feeling about going into the grocery store when there's always going to be people there, I can't avoid that, you know, and I can't always order online because that's always been everybody else's solution. Just letting myself know there's always going to be people here. Just let go, go in there, come on out. Or like avoiding being angry in traffic. There's always going to be traffic gonna be okay just you know go through it that kind of thing yeah um so there was a whole discussion about therapy um that there's a it's hard to find a good therapist 
basically was the consensus. In your uh, experience, um, Andrea, how 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 hard was it for you to find a good therapist? I think when I first started therapy, I was kind of getting like whatever they had available. There she is. We're talking about um, therapists and how we came across. What was it? How we came across good ones? Yeah, because a lot of there was a whole discussion about how a lot of people have had experiences with really with therapists that were very just felt like they were just following sort of a textbook and not really mm -hmm. caring about the individual and just kind of like phoning it in. Yeah. E. I'll say, I, I, I mean, I've probably seen more crappy therapists than good ones. I'll, I will admit that. Yeah, I actually just lost a really good, I mean, I didn't lose her, but she went off and got married, so she moved. But I was like, dang. But then I was kind of <laughs> like, you know what? I think I got what I needed from her, so mm -hmm. it's okay. But, I mean, I do miss her, because she was, she was really good. <laughs> But yeah, when um, I first started, it was like a lot of, um, I'm sorry, because I, uh, I started saying this and I forgot. No, when I first started, I was kind of getting just like, oh, you need a therapist, here you go. This is, this is what we've got. Do they, you know, offer what you require? We don't know, but do you want one or not? So that was kind of mm -hmm. like, yeah. My first therapist, um, I had from like, when I was in high school up until uh, like last year. Um, and my needs changed. And um, as I continue to get more and more diagnostic clarification, I learn that there are certain types of treatments and certain therapies that are better for me um, and that would be more effective where I like, I still very much respect um, this person and value the therapy and like the journey that we were on, like for such a long time. Um, also, she's not at this point in her career going to decide to pursue a specialization in something that, do you know what I mean? So like, I think like you were saying, Andrea, like, I got what I needed from her and it was time for me to move on and find somebody else. And, uh, I just actually started seeing a new therapist. I'm going to be seeing her for the third time on uh, Friday. And I found her by a referral. So I have a friend who has made just an amazing amount of progress, like with her mental health. And, uh, so I asked her, and I said, do you still see a therapist? And she goes, yeah. And I said, would you recommend like her or anybody in her clinic? And so I phoned the clinic and I had a really great conversation with the receptionist. I disclosed some of the things that I wanted to work on. The receptionist guided me towards like, I was vulnerable <laughs> with the receptionist, you know, I was like, uh, I don't really know what I'm doing. I, I know that these are my issues and I am looking for a new therapist and like, help, please help. And she was like, okay. <laughs> so like she talked about like the different things that were available at that clinic and said I could come in and like go through their website, whatever. And it was, it was cool. So I think referral is, um, 
is really powerful. Like if you yeah. have somebody that you trust, but like yeah. everybody's personality is different. So, I mean, you may not mesh with someone and that's okay. Yeah. Like, you also I have, have permission to fire your therapist. <laughs> There's something to be said for chemistry. Um, I have had the same therapist for the last seven years. Shout out to Felice. The BPD bunch would not exist if it weren't for you. So Woo! thank you. <laughs> um, so, uh, but before that, gosh, it was kind of like being on a bajillion horrible first dates, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It, uh, it was uh it was definitely a challenge and it's hard too because you know i mean people get pretty i mean all, all i have is an undergraduate degree in psychology and even i experience this sometimes you get attached to your education and what you think you know and it becomes hard sometimes when you're dealing with real people not that i work in a clinical sense but you know like you think you learn something in a book and you try to see it in the world and then sometimes you're not really seeing the world. You're projecting your image of what you think you learned in school onto people. And that's hard. Um, so, you know, I, it's not like I think all of them were trash, like intentionally, right? Like it, yeah. it becomes, it's work to try to figure out how to balance what you learn in school and how to treat individuals. And I, I understand, I, I recognize that that is, um, that that's hard um and we technically don't have time for but we there somebody asked us this question a little while ago and i, I want to make sure we get to this one um what's your worst coping mechanism you find yourself still using at times like still falling back on i'm assuming this is like not the best not the most helpful i will so i actually don't think this is that bad and i'll it's funny because I just mentioned earlier, like lack of sleep is not good for me, but hear me out. Harm reduction, I think has been something that's sort of important for me. So I've, I have tended to engage in really impulsive, self-destructive behaviors, like going out with a bunch of strangers and getting plastered and then waking up somewhere I don't recognize um, with half of my belongings missing, you know, like, and that being a regular occurrence. And sometimes it was just neat feeling like I needed to rebel against sometimes it was stuff that other people did. It was like this strange thing to do anyway. So sometimes what I will do is I will engage in like rebellion of a smaller, a smaller scale. My husband is bringing me orange juice like the angel that he is because my throat is dying. Thank you. Um, crashing the stream. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. But so like sometimes I'll stay up a few hours later than I know I should because I want to indulge that rebellious urge somehow, but in a way that is not gonna land me half a city over with my wallet missing, you know, and puking in into some rando's toilet. <laughs> so that's what I do. I, 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 I sort of intentionally engage in like reduced forms of, of rebellion, which I think is actually a thing, but I can't remember what it's called. I agree. 
it's a thing and I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> Sick brain, why? Sick brain, why? Well, I think the funny thing about it is like when I'm listening to you, Zanny, I'm kind of like, that sounds like so much fun. <laughs> you know, because it's just like the rebellion part. Because yeah, like the impulsivity, like sometimes the things that we do, it, it can be fun, but it can lead us into dangerous situations. So when you minimize it, even just hearing about it for me, I'm just like, yes, little rebellion. Yay, it sounds fun. So many rebellions. It's so bad. Um, I speed. Like literally? And I drive recklessly in controlled situations so um i uh i work in construction and so sometimes i have access to roads that are not assumed by the city yet ah. and so like if I want to back, if I want to like go like three blocks away and do it in reverse on the wrong side of the road, why not? Like there's nobody else on there except for the machine operator. And like, we always look out for each other anyway. Like we make eye contact while we're driving around one another. And like, you know, it's like those professional driver, like closed course disclaimers that they used to have like on commercials when people used to watch commercials. Do people watch commercials anymore? I don't I know. Do. It's more like random up. ads. Right? Yeah, random ads. Okay, so it's like professional driver closed course. Uh oh, I see a safety officer just joined on the chat. I'm okay, I cannot disclose too much more. Um, Nisa might wrap me out. Uh, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so like I do like I if I want to, um, sometimes if the road is empty, and I know like, the speed limit is posted, whatever there's no rule at how quickly I can get to the speed limit. Like if I accelerate like really hard, I will get the feel of speeding, the feel of reckless driving, but I still only go up to the speed limit and then I just like slow right down. Like, and I, I coast at the speed limit, but I do these things. So like, I still get that like rush and um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. For some reason, I just have this image of you just like cool driving in a sports car, like through a tunnel at night. And I'm just like, kerosene's so cool. I do that <laughs> in my pickup truck. And I like when when it's snowing, I love the look of the of the snow in the headlights. And that's when I am tempted to drive the fastest because it looks like like Star Trek. Like the Aww. stars just like and like I'm in a spaceship, like yeah. <laughs> so it's like I get to feel I don't know. It's fun. Like I get that big rush. Um, like I know in my um more problematic behavior days, I did I was challenged um by drinking and driving. I never uh, got caught, but that was something that um in the past I, I did. Um, and the feel of that, like of the warp speed, that's it. Yeah. The feel of that, like rush that you get, like the G forces, it felt like I was on a roller coaster and like, it was just like a lot of fun to just go really fast. And so I still like, I do that, but like in a controlled way and sober. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> Andrea. Hmm. What's your oh, answer to the my question? rebellion? Yeah, oh. or, or what what sort of um what sort of coping mechanism that is maybe not the the absolute best do you still fall back on sometimes? Or if you have you engage in mini rebellions, what's your mini rebellion? <laughs> Well, I too like to speed <laughs> when I'm upset though. So I wouldn't say it's controlled. Um, I have a really bad habit of when I'm upset to do the texting thing, whether it's the texting or the, you don't want to hear me out. I'm on the way. I'm going to say it to your face. <laughs> um, I have grown a lot yeah, I know she has. She used to call me and be like, that didn't I, so <laughs> I have grown a lot from that. Um, but in, so it would start off with the texting and then it would go into the calling and then it would be like, fine, I'm on the way. And then it would be the reckless driving on the way. Mm -hmm. And then it would be the denial while I'm there. And then, it, then the skills would come in and be like, okay, I got to calm down. What is the reason I've got to chill out, take a break, go home, that kind of thing. So it's like a really in intense pattern of that behavior, but I have grown a lot, but if, if there's anything that I get disappointed in myself, I'm just like, I did it again. Why did I do that? But the texting will be less. The calls will be less. The drive will be smoother. The knocks will be less. <laughs> like, or I won't even go to the door. It down a notch bit by bit. Yeah. Well, we are, we are at time. Um, there were, I noticed there were a couple of people in, who were leaving comments that were very, having a, people are having a hard time. So I just want to say that uh, I know that having BPD sometimes really sucks. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I, I can't guarantee that like your life is just gonna get easier because I don't know your your context, but I do believe that it's possible for everyone. I know that statistically, BPD symptoms lessen as we get older. Yeah, and it gets less hard. So hang in as long as you possibly can. I always told myself I just need to make it to 25. And it turned out that that was pretty much true. You know, I, you know, when I was a teenager in my early 20s, I thought my own heart was going to kill me. Hmm. Uh, and then, <laughs> and then, you know, you know, a lot of the things that people tried to tell me, you know, it's not like, it's not like I discovered DBT and it was like totally revolutionary. A lot of it was stuff that people had already been trying to tell me, but it was delivered in a way and at a time when I was able to actually do something about it. And being a little bit older really didn't make a difference. That's not, that's not to say it's like that for everyone. You know, obviously everyone has a different situation, but cares is right. Statistically, it does get a little bit easier as you get older, so... I think maybe because we have more experience of like really screwing stuff up and, and maybe going back to like what I was saying, like towards the beginning of the live, like how much I hate having to deal with negative consequences. So like eventually 
no matter how much our brains are not wired to do it naturally, our actual distaste for suffering means that our brains will start to figure some stuff out just yeah. naturally. Yeah. The longer we live, the more experiences we have, the more our brains start to adapt to make our lives better because our brain is always doing what it thinks it needs to, to make our lives better. Yeah, I mean, just yesterday, my therapist called me an optimist, and I was kind of stunned because <laughs> I was like, are you talking to me? <laughs> are you talking to me? <laughs> but I guess, you know, it's funny, because I guess a lot, a lot changes, you don't always notice it, but it's like, I guess I am now. I definitely wouldn't have been wouldn't have definitely would not have said that 10 years ago <laughs> i said that on the on our new video for season three i was like i'm significantly happier now and i could not have imagined saying that when i first started this like i was always like i'm just the queen of having a little rain cloud <laughs> over my head and i still have the cloud but there's no rain and i i mean i do feel significantly happier but that it's doesn't mean i don't cloud. have bad days Huh? The cloud is keeping you from getting sunburnt. Yeah, I like that because I don't need to get sunburned. No, it's a nice shade cloud. Yeah. Well, thank you, everyone, so much for watching. We will have a, we'll have one live on Sunday on our YouTube, and then we'll be back <laughs> next Wednesday for another one. So wait, 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 wait. What? Did you see that, Xander? Did it just like automatically do the thing? Why is mine not doing it? Andrea! I don't know, but I like it. <laughs> That's so cool! That was fun. <laughs> Aww. I mean... <laughs> it did it, it did it, it did Why it! Why is it not... Maybe it's just yours. I don't know. No, just do it. Karis. Maybe you just gotta keep it up there. You have to hold it longer. You have to be patient. It doesn't like people with ADHD. This is not, this is not, ha I'm, I'm like, it's really not happening. My idea, I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm there we go. One more time. That's so fun. But I don't know why it's not working for me, but hey. Maybe put it over your shirt. Yeah, the contrast. Yeah, no. Okay. <laughs> I think we're going to bore people to death with us trying to get the horse to work. So, anyway, thank you everyone so much for watching. We will see you next time. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.